Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 2, The Nightlands. Uh, I would have guessed this title was one word. I keep thinking of it as one word in my head. <laughs> it's two words. The Nightlands. Uh, where does it land? Uh, somewhere at night. Yeah. It's, it wouldn't make any damn sense if it did. If it, if it, if it, if the Nightland shows up. If Nightland lands at high noon, this is mm-hmm. like a woodchuck, chuck situation. Mm-hmm. And this is not a BoJack Horseman season four podcast, so mm. so we'll just move past that. Are you asking me what I thought of it? I am, yeah, oh. indirectly, very, very indirectly. <laughs> um, I it's it's good, it's good. It's not like um, you know, a super impressive episode. It's not like what? a statement episode. Okay, but yeah. that's what I meant. Like, it's not. Uh-huh. Um, but but it continues to develop the political intrigue of, of Tyrion trying to clean up his sister and his his, his family's mess in King's Landing, mm-hmm. and also, you know, as much as we like Tyrion and think he's clever, we see that there's other clever people that uh, are, are a danger to him, and we continue to see John uh, pierce the intrigue up at Craster's Keep mm-hmm. and get him into some moral quandaries. Uh, so and then Theon. Ooh, oh boy. boy, Theon! Theon's the op. Theon is uh, is is a very unqualified emissary, and his father and sister play him like a goddamn fiddle. Yeah, and he goes in thinking one thing and comes out and finds out it's the other, mm-hmm. and I'm sure tragedy tragedy is going to ensue. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I really like this episode. To me, this is one of like. This is the defining tone, I think, of early Game of Thrones for yeah. me. Um, th- there are so many scenes in this episode of people with incredibly clever dialogue. Yeah. Um, you know, thinly veiled threats. The best dialogue, by the way, is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it took... It took it, it, like a, a, a wordsmith rivaling <laughs> William Shakespeare to come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, do you, go you know, on. like the scenes between uh, like Tyrion and Cersei, the scenes with Littlefinger and Roz, the scene with uh, Davos and Salador Sand, like yeah, all of those scenes are so well written. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just you come away with a new appreciation of all those characters. I think to me, th- those kind of scenes define Game of Thrones, especially early on. Yeah, and for the Tyrion fans, it, it shows one of his best examples of just flexing on somebody. Yeah, Janos gets just, flexed all over. Just, just slapped on his ass and sent on his way. Yeah, uh, which is I'm happy to see because yeah, he deserves he's, it. He's he's a real shit. Baby killer. He's a, a... I guess, you know, he uses his excuse just following orders, but uh, yeah. doesn't hold up for Tyrion. Yep. But we'll get there. Um are you ready for the recap? Uh, I, I want to dispense with two points of business. Number one, okay. a content advisory. I'm sick, y'all. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm I'm medicated and and well rested, but uh, and neti potted. But my body is betraying me, so I apologize for uh, perhaps the, the shitty quality of my voice. Two, the Lily Stark uh, requested, "Where are my dragons?" Counts still stands at zero. Two episodes yeah. in. It's true. I'm starting to feel bad. I I, I feel like that this is uh, this is going to go down as a as a giant myth busted. Mm-hmm. That that's like only is said like one or two times, and everyone just fucking way blew it out of context. But <laughs> still 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 stands at zero. Yeah, after rewatching uh, episode one of Stranger Things and then uh-huh. shouting "Will" every four seconds, <laughs> I've recalibrated my my perspective on that. Uh, the where are my blood riders count uh-huh. stands at one. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So we've we we the, the the score in that is a slightly slightly outpacing the Where Are My Dragons. All right, we start off with Arya meeting Jack and Hagar before the gold cloaks roll up looking for Gendry. When they say they're looking for someone in his party, Yorin threats to cut the guy's leg arteries. Uh, the guy says, "We're looking for Gendry specifically, and we'll be back before we're riding off." Uh, and there's a funny little moment here with Arya having like a secretive girl pee. She's making her water, as <laughs> yeah. they say in Game of Thrones. You think Gendry's like watching from the shadows? That's how he figured it out, or uh, he just kind of knows? Yeah, I he mean, needs to tell. I mean, I I get, uh, you know, you can get in trouble assuming someone's gender. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking, like when you're seeing, like uh, you know, Arya and her eyes, and like she, she definitely presents as, as as a girl, even with the, the butch haircut. And yeah, if it, like slinking out and and not like you know just pissing like this group of unwashed flea bottom scum probably would just you know against a tree or just in front of people, who knows? Like I guess it would make you stand out. Yeah, uh, it's funny too because Jacken calls her a lovely boy, right? Uh, which I don't know if he's on to her, if he's just like taking a jab at her or what. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll have to. It's we'll have to see. Um, and mm. this guy is an enigmatic guy because he's uh, clearly from the black cells, like the rest of these uh, very tough customers. Uh, yeah. Who uh, um, the book informs us is Rorge and Biter, uh, the guy with the filed mm. teeth. I'm assuming is Biter. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, they're ironically named. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> the funny thing. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's he seems very cool, like a very cool customer. That mm-hmm. you know he's he's pinned up with these freaks, but they're not really messing with him. Yeah, implying that he uh, he, he he could be uh, uh, a real handful. Mm-hmm. Um, I also liked the you know speaking of your clever dialogue, like Yorin draws a. A knife and points at the guy's dick, and you think it's just like the stand the the standard. Oh, this guy is like doesn't want his dick cut, but then he mm-hmm. shows that like no no, I'm going to bleed you like a pig. Yeah, and if you if if, if uh, just just here watch this scene from uh, Black Hawk Down. If if you don't know how fast this can all go down, <laughs> I thought that was really cool because at first it's like it's oh he's just going to cut his dick and it's like oh no he's going to he's going to sever his femoral artery. Uh-huh. Uh, and he takes a good. sword. I yeah, like that too. Night's Watch needs good steel, man. I bet. They probably need people more than steel. Sure, is my guess. But, sure, they you know, could, you could use both. Raven. I also like the line that like I've just sharpened this knife. I could use it to shave a spider's ass <laughs> if he wanted to. Like where, <laughs> where do you even come up with that simile? I don't you know. know. It's a small creature with probably a hairy ass. I guess. But like our spider's hair. Like if you sat down to shave one, are they any are any worse to cut than others? You know. I don't know. Like, if you shave a frog's ass, that'd be impressive, because you're shaving something that's not even... that You can't even perceive, but a, a, spider, a spider's ass, yeah, they're hairy. Yeah. They're hairy. All right, we move on to Tyrion arriving in his room to see Shay chatting with Varys. Uh, Varys makes some veiled threats about knowing her background, and he says that he Tyrion has no need to worry. He keeps the secrets of his friends safe. Uh, on his way out, Tyrion says, don't ever threaten me again or I'll have you thrown into the sea. And Varys is like, yeah, well, I'm pretty good at swimming, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, th- there's just a lot of great dialogue in here, too. Um, I- I'm I'm trying to figure out what they're getting at with the fish pie thing. Obviously, it's a sexual innuendo. Sure. And Varys, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if they think he's gay or asexual. Well, everyone knows that Varys is a eunuch. Uh-huh. So, no, I don't know if Shay... I mean, Shay's picked up on the fact that she, he's uninterested in her. Yeah. Um, 
But I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I guess he's gay. My... I think he's just asexual. Like, yeah. totally. Yeah, I think so too. Devoid of any sexuality. Right. After his incident. <laughs> right. Because, uh, yeah, no, that's my that's my read on him too. He just doesn't yeah. have a doesn't have a sex drive, which is probably a, a great relief. He can probably why he's so damn smart. Think with his other head. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sure. Like, so, like you know, so much of his day is free. He doesn't have uh-huh. to worry about uh, you know keeping up with his appearance or trying to get you know. Although he does with that pretty or, well. That's true. I mean, that's he's true. a little heavy, but other that's than that, not he's fair. dressed yeah, nicely. He's very, and he's, you know, he's very well dressed. Clean and, cut. You know, keeping your head shaved. That's not that's that's requires a daily daily ritual. So For sure. you're right. It's not fair to say he doesn't care about his personal appearance. Yeah. More fair to say he just doesn't care about. I would say the hound doesn't really care. Right, his personal appearance. Like, like Salder saying, the only god worth worshiping is the the a woman's vagina, and uh-huh. Ferris is like, I'm agno- I'm I'm atheist. Yeah, <laughs> eh, just atheist. It's a great exchange though between Varys and Tyrion with the threats. Yeah, uh, and I just I love the way that like Tyrion thinks, okay, I've I've won this moment. Right, he takes his hand off the door, and then Varys just puts like a finger on the door and gives the speech about the fish, and totally like flips the tables on him. Uh huh. It's good. It's good. It's like the good. whole Ned Stark's a man of honor. I am not. Uh-huh. Um, which is is interesting because that was one of the frustrations of season one is to see Ned play the Game of Thrones badly. Yeah. And one of the main pleasures of season two is watching Tyrion play the game uh, uh, competently. Yeah. Although I, it's funny because in this rewatch, I'm a little bit more critical of Tyrion and how, and we'll be talking about that a little bit more in the episode. Okay. Um, I feel like he let some of his flaws get the better of of him. Um, and 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 doing the things that he wants to set out and accomplish, which you know just means he's human. Sure, and I mean the biggest flaw of all, I guess, is his affection for whores, which um, and and wanting to is stick the biggest it. problem in the scene. But but it's it's like it's not just that his it's, 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 he's got a love of whores. It's almost more like. I'm sticking it to my family. My sure. dad's not yeah. going to tell me who the fuck I can and cannot keep company with. It's like, I think if it was just his need to physically gratify himself, he'd be able to mm-hmm. master it. Yeah. But we see this in his interaction with the sister. He does have like this this need, and it's it's like he he came by it honestly to stick it to his family as they've stuck it to him so many times. And right. it's a it's a major flaw that is is fairly easy to exploit along with. You know, all the attendant things, like the fact that you've given a, a very dangerous political adversary leverage over you. Yeah. Day one, essentially. Uh-huh. And, then you, and then you start playing the game like, well, if Varys so easily found this out, who else knows? This little thing. How, like, how many people have this leverage over him? How long is going to be until someone whispers it in the Cersei's ear? Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking of Cersei, we go to the throne room, or I guess the the meeting of the small council here. Yep. Uh, meeting room where Cersei receives Rob's demands and she tears them up and Tyrion makes a joke about how great she is at tearing papers which is awesome uh he also says they should give Ned's bones back and they send off the the messenger but not before Cersei gives him a message for Jamie, which is basically hey we didn't forget about you uh then Pycelle gives another raven message to Tyrion which says Castle Black wants more men to defend against the mounting wildly arm wildling armies Oh, and also the dead, which are rising, apparently. Uh, everyone except for Tyrion is completely incredulous, and they don't want to bother sending men. Yeah. So the wall gets ignored, basically. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, the only reason Tyrion is on board is because he respects Lord Commander Mormont, and he actually went to the wall. Yeah. Like, if you have to think that had he not done that, he would be the ones making the grumpkins and snarks jokes along with everybody else. For sure. Um, now, the other question I have with you is that 
Cersei rips up the paper and says, um, tell, tell Rob Stark our reply to her cousin, Alton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrion objected previous, previously to that and said, well, we can at least send Ned Stark his bone. They're, they're, we can at least send them Ned Stark's bones as a gesture of good faith. Is that the reply? We'll send, cause, I don't like, think so. I think the reply is, fuck you. <laughs> right. Which, that's the thing. Like, I don't it's it's a question at this point like who has the ultimate power here can Tyrion just kind of like do in runs around his sister but if she can find out and put the kibosh on him um yeah i guess it it depends on who has joffrey's ear ultimately right right um which Tyrion's been slapping him uh right i don't know that that's voting well for for Tyrion's chances so he's probably gonna listen to his mom above all other people right um i imagine this message is gonna be fuck you we don't we don't want any of your demands. Yeah, it's it's bad, bad, bad plot. It's bad, uh, a bad strategy on Cersei's point. Um, and also, it's, yeah. it's 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 Tyrion is sent by his father to bring this boy king and her mother, his mother, to heal, and mm-hmm. uh, he needs to do a better job at it. Yeah, if, if this is because I, I I'm the sense like I just I wasn't sure if his objection since Cersei didn't say like no fuck that like if mm-hmm. it was supposed to understand that that was going to go back and honestly I don't remember so yeah I don't think so but I'm I not thought sure so either. too I I I thought that what they're implying is that Cersei was just sending the the giant fu but I couldn't be sure yeah uh, then we move on to Sam and Grin getting an education we'll uh-huh. say uh in what happens when you die yep uh sam wonders why craster has so many wives and grin tells the story of wrestling a farm girl in his youth uh sam sees ghost trying to take gilly's rabbit and he intervenes so she calls him very brave and then he takes her to john and says she's pregnant so they have to take her with them when they leave john says no fucking way and gilly runs off and then john lays out just how stupid this plan is couldn't agree more with John here. This I, is the dumbest thing I've ever heard Sam say. I love. Well, I mean, I feel for her. Like, I, yeah. I don't want her to have to stay there. But there's no way they're gonna get her out of there. Yeah, it is. It is weird because, like, you know, they're like Sam's already cottoned on this early to the inherent contradiction between the the Night's Watch vow, which they defend defend the realms of men. Uh, the fact that these wildlings are indisputably human men mm-hmm. and women, uh, and the fact that they can't do anything to help this, like, you know, n- no one knows exactly what's going on, but everyone knows it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And Gilly, you know, the fact that she can't uh, reply to what exactly is going on. Um, do you think it's going to, like, knowing what you know now, do you think it changes the Lord Commander's mind? Like, if it turns out that Craster is, in fact, uh, sacrificing Eating his male babies. children to the others, yeah. as is implied in this episode, do you think that's going to change the Lord Commander's mind? Um, hmm. I do view him as an honorable person, right? Uh, much like Tyrion does. So, yeah, I think possibly it could. Yeah, so me, me too, because that's the thing. It's like you've got two warring notions in your mind, the fact that... Uh, what we know of him as an honorable man. And obviously it's like, okay, what Craster does in his keep, it's his, his keep, his rules. Yeah. But he's on the shit, other hand, but... there's every, the, every man and, and, and person has a, a, like a, something that they would consider intolerable, a breaking point. Right. Uh, you know, like Keanu Reeves, you kill his dog. He's coming after you. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, and, and it's different for everybody. But on the other hand, you know, Game of Thrones also, uh, in season one showed us that it's kind of a genre the the fire uh, a trope the fire so like it would also be 
give another couple shades of gray to the Night's Watch, the Black Brothers, to have them just be totally pragmatic and mm-hmm. like, well, you know, what are you going to do? I guess I'd like to hear the argument, you know, from both sides. What is, depending on which um, decision he makes, how does he justify it? You know, is is defending the realms of men defined a certain way in his mind? In let's let's say, mind? like, let's say that he could personally attest to that Craster has saved twelve Night's Watchmen from freezing to death or starving when a raid has gone bad north of the Wall. Right. Does that excuse however many male children have been sacrificed by him? Like that's there's that that's the scale, right? And yep. like that's the thing. Like the real politic works if like a reasonable person would look at the situation and be like, okay, well, what do you do? You let one person die to save a million, but when you're talking about letting you know one person be sacrificed to save twelve men who are soldiers. Mm-hmm. That starts to and you're talking about babies and, and women and children, that starts to be a little stickier. So it's it's a it's a definite moral quandary they're setting up. And you're not even just talking about people in that scenario, right? You're talking about the potential I guess mission of the Night's Watch. Like right. about intelligence and like value as you know, a, a home base up north and all kinds of things, right? Yeah. There's a lot to weigh. And I, I think Gior comes down on the side of um of not tolerating the baby, the, the the gifting of the babies to the others. We shall see. Uh, the other important character development we got here is discovering that Sam's an ass man and grins more of a of a boob guy. Yeah, like well, I I think <laughs> I I don't know. That's an inference I'm making <laughs> I, from I which so. direction they like to see women uh, le- uh, approach and the, leave. The from. inference I made is that <laughs> Sam's never had a woman approach him. Ah, that so. That's true. That's yeah. true. So he he legitimately just doesn't know what a woman looks like walking toward him. <laughs> right. And you can see also Sam's like, please, please detail. I want to hear more about this this lady wrestling. <laughs> right. I want to hear more about your adventures in Glow. His and... response is great. How many times? As many times as I could. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me implies that maybe it happened just once. It was like a, a single encounter that lasted as many times as he could. Mm-hmm. Well, in that play, it, it, it uh, grins not much of a wrestler, if that's no. the case. Maybe he, he wrestled her and I didn't mean six, that from times. I didn't mean that from, like, he's bad at raping her. I meant, like, obviously, yeah, yeah. we're talking about sex here. He's bad at sex, and she's not interested anymore. So Right. Anyway, who's to, who's to say? But it's it's yeah. an important character trait of these guys, regardless. No, that, uh, that farting when you die scene is also really great. Yeah. Uh, how How is Ed such a... I guess he talked about his grandmother, who yeah. shook the bed when she died. That's the thing. Like, if you listen to like, he's called Dol- uh, Dolorous Ed for a reason because he's always got these like Debbie Downer stories he's telling in the background, which are also frequently funny too. Right? Like, he just has the the worst life ever. <laughs> okay, we go over to Danny and her caravan, just waiting for the return of the riders. A horse rides up, but it has a rider's head in the saddlebag. Yeah, what's the opposite of a headless horseman? The headed horseman. It's just, I, just, just a, a horse. Yeah. It's just a head horseman. There is. I no... guess the bodiless horseman. Right. <laughs> they need to combine into a super group, <laughs> which is just the horseman. The formerly headless horseman. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they're they're kind of waiting. the The horse rides up with a head in the saddlebag. the The widow is grief stricken that they didn't burn his body for some religious afterlife reason. I guess Kill the soul. They've never, got like this Valhalla sort of thing. He'll never be on. able to ride to Nightlands with his ancestors. Yeah. And Danny, I don't think Danny fully understands like the religious significance I, of all this yet because she's like, 
uh, no, they can't kill his soul. Right. She's like, no, they didn't burn his body. His soul's dead. And she's kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess. I think she understands because that's what they did with Cal Drogo, and she's wanting to make this funeral pyre, pyre. But the thing is, this scene is all about Danny making impotent threats and promises. Sure. You know, yeah. which is a theme they developed in last episode. Like, she swears vengeance against these, but even, like... She doesn't you know, know who it is. Right, even, yeah. even Jorah's like, okay, you're going to take these people who are too weak to stand in battle against, you know, Cal, Pono, or Jago, who fucking can't stand the thought of a Khaleesi running a cow. Uh-huh. And she also makes this impotent promise that, like, well, we'll make a funeral pyre, and you look around, like, with fucking what... Yeah. Unless sand can burn, you know, this this poor guy is not going to make the Nightland. So I think that's just the it, it sells the frustration that Danny has got where she is with this messianic thing, but you know, like if Jesus had just peaked with the turning wine into water, there probably wouldn't be a religion with a billion followers, mm-hmm. right? So she's got to keep following this up and delivering, or it's going to be a flash in the pan. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good scene. Um, so Theon arrives at the Iron Islands before he gets off the boat. He has sex with a not whore because he hasn't paid her. Yeah. Uh, but I guess his amateur his boat uh, concubine. I don't know. Salt wife. Salt. No, not a salt wife though. He doesn't take her for a salt. No, wife. I mean that's the thing. That's that's the joke. The salt wives are just like that. Those are men that the Iron Islanders rape and reeve. Uh, and the okay. the rock wives are the ones they actually come home to. Gotcha. Hmm. Um, and she's just yeah, she's the captain's daughter. For some reason, the captain thinks it's a good idea to bring bring her. Well, I mean, I, you know, maybe he's progressive. Maybe he's trying to he's, he's wanting her to be the first female captain of this shipping company. I, it didn't seem like it. No, it really doesn't. It seemed like she was more just in the hold. It really doesn't. But the poor girl got her hopes up. She thought that uh, yeah, that's... you know, she was gonna she was gonna make it with the king of of, of iron the Iron Islands and. Uh, uh, nope. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a double tragedy because number one, Theon is not going to do that for her. Number two, Theon is king of shit. Yeah, uh, as is going to be made abundantly clear. And he's and the man, Theon is such an asshole the way he treats this woman, and also mm-hmm. how he thinks he's going to be honored and respected. It really shows how out of touch he is with the way of life that he was born to. Yeah, like almost. Almost like they didn't do a really good like they it, it reminded me a lot of like what um some a, a lot of countries like United States and Australia did with indigenous populations where they just like took their children and just completely indoctrinated them didn't talk to tell them about the, the you know the quote unquote old ways like Ned Stark and Master Lewin did a really shitty job of of preparing Theon for you know well I mean I don't think they ever expected him to return right. Yeah. But they really didn't do anything about teaching him what what his people were and what they were all about. Because mm-hmm. his expectations, way away from reality. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really like the shot they give us of the Iron Islands and of the castle there. Yeah, it's which cool. I guess it's Castle Pike. Is yeah, right? Pike is, yeah. Or it's, I, I'm, I think that's the name of the island that it's on, it's but both. it's also the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's a really beautiful castle. It's separated onto these kind of three sort of just... Uh, mesas. I I don't even know what you call them. Right, uh, these spires of rock coming out of the ocean. Right, with these bridges attaching them. It's beautiful. It, it, and you imagine like how hard it would be to <laughs> to attack that. But yet that's something Ned Stark yeah. did. Uh huh. So uh, he 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 brought them to heel after their rebellion. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of the cooler castles. Although there's not a really a 
It's not really of a bummer of a castle. <laughs> Shit castle. Yeah. I'd say Winterfell is like the least impressive. I yeah, you know, I, I don't was know. unimpressed by the Winterfell castle. It, Winterfell's got some cool stuff that they don't really talk about in shows, like the fact it's got a uh, it's it's heated internally by a, a geothermal vent, so it stays mm. warm even in winter. And it's got yeah, the right. glass gardens, which provide it's fresh fruits feature. and vegetables throughout the winter. So it's like hmm. it's a sleeper. It's yeah. a sleeper castle. <laughs> All right, uh, so we go to Littlefinger's brothel, and one of the clients is banging Roz when she starts crying. Uh, Littlefinger sends him away with another prostitute and goes to see what's wrong. Oh, j- 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 fucking jizz on the lips. Yeah, no, it's, it's I mean, oh, too the, much for me. It's, yeah, the, the, and, this show sometimes really likes, wall- <laughs> really likes rolling in the gutter. Yeah, uh, so she's really distraught about Megan's dead baby, and he tells her a story to... At the beginning of it, you think it's to comfort her. Yeah. But turns out that's not who Littlefinger is. He tells her about the story um, of another whore who cried so much that she wasn't making him any money, so he sold her off into this terrible situation in order to mitigate his losses. Then he gives her the night off. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is... Chilling. If you had any notions that Littlefinger was going to be fun to hang around with... Right. No. And that's what makes it other chilling. Like, if he was just a mere bully and just threatened her and went on, it would be one thing. But the way he, you know, there, there was, there's, if you're just going to threaten a woman, just threaten a woman. But to act, to couch it in terms of like, oh, you get her to like, you know, open up to you and be mm-hmm. like, like act like you're, like you said, you're, you're going to comfort her and then be unspeakably horrible. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's really it's like I said, it's chilling. Uh, it really it really paints uh, Littlefinger out to be this this terrible terrible person. Which we, and it's a fantastic scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, which we both of these knew. actors do a great job right. with this, both the dialogue and just with the pure reaction right. to what he's saying. And that's where I like I've always come down with people like you know because because a lot of it's easy to compare Littlefinger and Varys, right? Sure. But to this point, you know, Varys has not done anything to mm-hmm. uh approaching this kind of like cruelty no and uh you know his his business isn't human misery um so it's like i always come down to like i think varus is the better guy mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm with you I we'll, agree. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on these characters as they develop okay uh then we go over to Tyrion having janos over for a fine feast with fine yes. wine uh, he brings up the topic, the topic of the baby killings and his betrayal of the last hand, and Janos gets pissed, starts threatening Tyrion, but uh, Bronn and some gold cloaks have something to say about it. They come in, and they take him away to be shipped off to the wall. This is another fantastic scene. I love Tyrion so much. And that's the thing. like Tyrion, he, it, it just shows who Tyrion is, because Tyrion could have had this guy black-bagged and just shipped off to the wall, but right. instead he did it in the style. He sure he, did. He broke him down like invited this confrontation had Braun back him up and then in like three or four sentences stripped him of everything yeah uh and yeah, then it's glorious and then the final of the scene where Tyrion troubled says if i told you to kill a babe at his mother's breast mm-hmm. what would you do it without question and and Braun's only question is well how much is in it for me yeah like did he has he made like like he's even questioning himself like Jesus what is my ally is this city watch I mean mm-hmm. this this watch commander is superior only in as much as he's for now loyal to me right and what could I offer him that my sister couldn't sure um so it's, yeah it should probably worry him yeah and, and it does you can it see does. it on his face oh yeah um, yeah like he 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 wishes he had a Ned Stark that he could make city commander because yeah. you had the same effect except for you know that now. 
you know, well, I don't know. Would Tyrion want a Ned Stark like like the because he might think, well, this guy's going to think too much for himself. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd be worried about with a Ned. You want a you want a lackey, but you want a mm-hmm. lackey that's per- loyal to you for person purely personal reasons. Yeah, like they the oh like you got a life debt to you or something. This this money thing is just too you know it's it's <laughs> another meditation on where where the, where power lies. Right, it is. Then we go over to Hot Pie trying to explain that a bar fight is basically a battle when the knights are wearing armor and gendry drops a knowledge bomb on him about anyone being able to buy armor but how, how do you know because i sold armor <laughs> right. so good and he just walks off because what do you say to that uh Arya starts quizzing him about why he's being looked for and he explains that the hand of the king came looking for him asking about his mom but he doesn't really know why and he asks her about her past and why she's hiding the fact that she's a girl and she decides to reveal her true identity and where she's headed so uh, I guess she better hope Gendry doesn't get caught. Yeah, at this point, and then, they then he mer- mercilessly teases her about it too. The whole my yeah. lady stuff. No, it's good. Uh, it is good. Do you? We get some feedback about their relationship. Do you mm-hmm. see? Because like, I guess I don't. Maybe I don't see it. But do you see any like uh, romance potential between the two? No, I see it more of like a brother sister. That's what I'm seeing too. Big like brother. older brother, yep. younger sister. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know if that could change, but that's 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 how I read this situation. I didn't see yeah. it as flirty so much as just like you know, teasing teasing your their little sister. Right. Okay. Um. Anything else about that scene? Nope. Should we move on? Okay. Theon goes ashore and he pays an old man some money for a horse to get him to Pike. Uh. Then a woman approaches him and says, "I can take you there." He immediately hits on her, and during the ride, he feels her up. They get to the castle, and Theon approaches his father, who is unimpressed by his fancy clothes. And when Theon reveals the message from Rob and the plan to defeat his enemies, he's equally unimpressed. Uh, and the woman he rode in with is revealed to be his sister, Yara, who is apparently a better heir to the Iron Islands than Theon ever could be, according to Balon. Balon decides to burn the message. Man, Not a very uh, warm reception here. Uh, <laughs> is Cersei's a burner, or Cersei's a ripper, he's a burner. Yeah, that shouldn't have been his line. You, oh, you see, you've mastered the art of burning <laughs> messages, Father. Uh, man, this is this is super gross because it's, it's awesome. Like this is a a great reveal. Yes, it's disgusting. <laughs> right, but... he's had his hands down his sister's uh-huh. pants, doing 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 some stuff. Paddle, you know, paddle, paddling her man in the canoe, and, and the and... line about the grandchildren. Like, yeah, yeah, and she's due to just just to make her busting his balls later more glorious, which tells you yeah. a lot. It tells us a lot about Theon, a lot about her, and a lot about the family itself. Sure, and this whole lecture. Like, I'm also really impressed at how well they sell the Iron Islanders lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like you heard Catelyn Stark, like you know, Balin Greyjoy can't be trusted because he's untrustworthy because he can't be trusted. With <laughs> you know this whole like you know you, you, they hit you with the salt wife versus rock wife, then they get now you got the iron price or the gold price, um, and how just Balin uh, take t- works every one of Theon's insecurities mm-hmm. and strips him of his masculinity, which is interesting. And then puts his, uh, you know, th- then after he does that, like he makes it out like a woman's the worst fucking thing you can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're dressed like a whore and dress wearing a little dress. Then his sister is going to be commanding of the fleet. It's really a, yeah. It sells the the things that they value. Right? Yeah, and why he is insulted by this offer for Rob to like, well, if you help me with my, I'll let you be king. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going to pay the iron price for it. And yeah. then, chillingly, when Theon says, you don't stand a chance against the Lannisters, he says, who said anything about the Lannisters? Uh-huh. Which, 
gulp. <laughs> Where's he going? I mean, we know that the 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 art, you know, they they told they took great pains to explain that the the Rob's raised all of his banners and has kind of be, made the land bereft of men, and and mm-hmm. those armies are south. Um, it, it's that this is where you know it's not that Rob's dumb; it's just his inexperience. The fact that this offer. And that 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 he trusted Theon to make is also a signal of weakness. Sure, like I need your help, and I'm off doing something else. So he, Rob doesn't see the implicit, like the the the, the precarious situation he's put his realm in. Um, yeah, especially after the the, I'll call it a relationship. It is a relationship that they have the, yeah. the Starks and the Greyjoys, right? Right. Uh, it's not exactly a friendly one. Um, and that's the thing, like, they do a great job of showing just how out of touch Theon is, not not only because, you know, he he comes back and he doesn't quite understand, like, oh, his clothes are not going to be accepted here. Right. Um, but it, there, there's just, there's so much in it that, that he doesn't get about their culture, even yeah. though he, you can tell he's well well read on the subject, right? But he's never experienced it. Yeah, like the fact that like a commoner like the Iron Islander Sam Elliott is just going to openly scorn him yeah. and not do anything that he doesn't pay for. Like that's mm-hmm. just a it is a shock. I said they they did a bad job of preparing him for what what being a a Greyjoy was actually was actually like. And yeah, also and the, the idea that he understands the customs intellectually, but right. not like in his bones, in his blood, as he would and say. And then the right? fact that Rob's made the same mistake because he sees Theon as this, you know, like this 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 half brother of his. Mm-hmm. Um and he would think that the Iron Islanders would be open to this kind of uh, offer. Yeah. So bad bad strat political strategy all around. Sure is. Uh, then we go to Davos trying to convince his pirate friend Salador San to back them in the war. Then he says he'll help if he can have the queen for himself. Davos' son can't believe what he's hearing, so Salador threatens to fuck him, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Uh, that that exchange is one of my favorite ones in this entire Sound episode. Sound of is a great, amazing. great fucking character. Yeah. I want uh, to see a lot more of him. He he finally does agree to help Davos, and afterward Davos' son pleads with him to believe in the gods and learn to read, so I guess he can believe in the gods uh-huh. by reading their books. Um, Davos doesn't give a shit about gods or religion. He's just following Stannis at this point. Yeah. Stannis is his god. Now, they also yeah. they also dropped this information about, uh, you know, this um, Salder Sand says, you know, about how loyal he is to, or how loyal Davos is to Stannis. He goes, man, the man chops off your fingers and you fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. Last... Last episode, Stannis made some offhand comment to Davos about how, you know, how his deep commitment to 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 justice and and stuff. And he's like, as you well know, we're starting to see. It's like, you know, what exactly is the deal with this guy's hand? Uh-huh. Uh, they're building they're building this up uh, uh, pretty slowly to, to 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 for us to be curious about the backstory between like what the hell happened between. This former smuggler and pirate, and this now king that that this yeah. intensely loyal situation has has developed. Yeah, um, and I don't quite know the situation there. I, I think even having seen seven seasons of this show, I still don't quite know the situation. Well, good. I must have missed it somewhere along the way. Good because it makes the conceit of this podcast. Yeah, as if we haven't seen the show, <laughs> that much more believable. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think thirty ships is going to do for Stannis's? army 
Uh, you know, at that point, it's not an army; it's a navy. I, I'm, I, because I was thinking that too, in light of what we heard about Theon Greyjoy's, or I'm sorry, Balin Greyjoy's 200 ships, and yeah. in, in light of like the, let's say, numbers that we've seen throughout Game of Thrones history. Mm-hmm. And I guess what they're trying to say, this is selling the desperation of Stannis because he's willing to stoop to something that he obviously finds personally distasteful to get a mere 30 ships. Yeah. Which is, they've already told us, is not a significant Navy by Westerosi standards. Yeah. Um, if he if he wasn't so desperate, and, you know, the next scene is all about, like, how desperate his military situation is, so I think it's just is to sell us on... Like I said, that's the great thing about the show, is, like, there's multiple ways to tell us um, about the situation, which makes it more colorful. Yeah. Uh, okay, Cersei is pissed about Tyrion sending Janice away, and Tyrion brings up the baby murder, and Cersei's acting a little bit strange, so he figures out that Joffrey's actually the one who gave the order, and Cersei sort of laments that, oh, I'm the only one taking the rule of the kingdom seriously. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and then they have this exchange about, uh, you know, Tyrion killing his mother on the way out, and, like, all of that is just... You know the the cruelest joke to Cersei, and that's the thing. Like I here's again. I think Tyrion had a chance when he deduced that Joffrey was behind it, and, and Cersei's privately worried about all this stuff too, yeah. which she also revealed in the previous episode. Maybe some chance to make a headway, but he couldn't help himself but tweak her about her relationship Jamie, with Jamie, yeah. mm-hmm. and then she just hardens herself against him. And de- and and the thing is, is like, yeah, that hurts Cersei, but it devastates Tyrion. Yeah. This 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 is this open wound that he's asking her to poke and that's you know the major flaw of Tyrion. Like he could have made real headway here in progress and you know like I don't know if Cersei ever would have come fully onto his side but you know anything you can do to mute her her an- antagonism would be a bit of, and he just can't do it. Cannot do it. Yeah. It's one thing to treat Janos Slint like that. Another thing your sister who is queen regent and is is got the ear if anyone has the ear of joffrey she does and he he squanders it and that's uh that's a damn shame i think the one thing that i wish they would have done differently in this scene is maybe maybe show that Tyrion has been hit and jabbed in this way many 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 times right. because he essentially like has a negative reaction to it and is like grumble 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 when she oh, brings really? up the joke thing i thought i thought he looked really shattered yeah, well, that's kind of my point. Like, he's been hit with this over and over and over in his lifetime, right? Like, uh-huh. us as as audience members are just hearing this for the first time. Right. But you have to imagine that she has told him this is the cruelest joke sure. and you're the cause of our mother's death over yeah. and over again. And it still affects him. So at this him. point, right, I, I don't think it should affect him, I guess, as much as it does on screen. I think he should essentially you know go this old shit again yeah it's weird like what kind of emotional armor he has versus where his weak points are and like you know he doesn't have the benefit of like talk therapy to like come up with with useful uh skills to handle that so it's like i don't know it's like i mean obviously people get inured to both physical and emotional pain like that's that's like you know you 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 stub your you you skin your knee when you're a three-year-old and you cry and then you barely even notice as uh as you get older in life but Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't know. Like uh, I, I felt believable that he still has this, you know, since everyone that he's cared about and been close to has been reminded him of his station and he's a dwarf and he's killed his mother. Like maybe he's just defenseless against that. And again, mm-hmm. that's another part of the flaw that like 
you go you go poking you go kick Cersei in the ass and you have no plan to deal with her claws and teeth. Yeah, that seemed weird to me. Right. Because like it, they've had to have had arguments like this before. Right. Where each of them are taking their jabs, and does it always end in Tyrion essentially losing? Yeah, I mean <laughs> because that's a... of that that one notion that right. she killed May- their mother. I think maybe the other thing is like. How many arguments have they had in private? Yeah, like since they both because they, you know Cersei was married off young to Robert, and they've all like she, they would never have this argument in front of their father. Sure. So like maybe maybe it is the it, not the case that he's heard this shit dozens of times. Like mm. you know, especially as an adult, or maybe it's been ten fifteen years since she come back, and he thought he had her at a moral disadvantage, and wow, she she hits him with this. Yeah. He's a, it just does show that he's he's a little like he's not this isn't the the triumph that maybe we want it to be that he is sure. a little off balance and and not on firm footing here in King's Landing. Yeah. Definitely. Um so Davos reports his recruiting success to Stannis and Stannis dismisses them but not before Melisandre can sort of get her hooks into uh Davos' son by saying a death by fire is the purest death. And then Stannis is kind of questioning her religious shit, put up against the pure numbers of the situation. She says he has to give all of himself and then implores him to fuck her by saying, I'll give you a son. And he does. Yeah. That's, that's his weakness, the son, the the heir. And you could see, like, how much how much of a fight did Stannis put forth here? Because Not that she's, much. yeah, it's like, yeah, she had to answer for all of his, oh, I've got a wife, and she's a shit wife, I've taken vows, they were shit vows, and look at me, these breasts are fantastic. <laughs> he should have said, those are shit breasts. <laughs> and she's like, you he's, lie, you know it. Yeah, he's clearly lying. Bro. Right. Um, I, I tell you what, uh, I didn't notice this the first time, you know, through, but like the imagery of them fucking on that painted table of Westeros as all the 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 pieces that represent men and armies fall to the ground uh-huh. is so evocative that you know it tells it, it tells us that you know regardless of what you think about the morals like these actions are going to make the realm bleed mm-hmm. like like this this war of the the five kings that they're 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 or I think that Cer- Cersei hints at she's like what are we up to now five kings um I did, I just thought that was just great imagery yeah. No, it is for sure. I I had a hard time seeing it because of Stannis' like floppy peasant boots. <laughs> yeah, like he's he just got having, leather he, sacks on his feet. You, man. you need to get, you need to get something that not, was non slip grip footing if you're going to be <laughs> right. doing that kind of work in a damp environment, Stannis. Yeah, on, on a, that a kind table of table that's slightly too high for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can't just quite get the. Per- yeah. He's gonna make it work though. <laughs> he's gonna make it work. He did apparently. Yeah. He's do if nothing else. Stannis is dutiful. <laughs> All right, we go up to Craster's keep, and John sees Craster taking a baby into the woods, and he follows him until Craster drops the baby. And just as John's about to see where, or I guess who's taking the male babies and where they go, uh, he's knocked out by Craster, and the episode ends. Right, with the, hit, hit him with the blackjack, bam. Yeah, so you seem to to think that this is the others. I, I had a hard time like getting a good view. I, of so it. I was debating I, as I was watching the scene. I'm like, oh, can I actually say this is the others? And then you saw the piercing blue eyes. Did you? Oh, oh yeah. It's not for huh. very long, but you can okay. see the, the the two like like Jawa only Jawa eyes only. They're <laughs> they're neon blue. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's another. They yep. they've established that as their defining feature. Yeah. So I feel comfortable saying that it's not a spoiler. That he's offering up his sons to the, yeah, the yeah. White Walkers now. To what end and why and all those are questions that obviously the show wants us to to ask and be and, and be desperate for the knowledge of because it's a it's a good cliffhanger. I'm desperate. If nothing else. Uh, we know 
uh, Craster's not going to be happy with John sneaking up and 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 uh, spying on him. And uh, yeah, it's it's over, man. I mean, th- this whole situation is yeah. not good. I mean, John has already challenged Craster once, uh, and that's the thing. Like we, we yeah, you go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Th- this second time of like sneaking around and following him, he's not going to tolerate. And like this. that debate we we're having about what Gior will do is complicated because now it's not going to be like John and Sam are going to present him with a decision that he can weigh on. It's going to be an angry craster with John's life in the balance and what the hell is going to, you know, like there's like what it's really putting him in an uncomfortable position. Assuming John's not dead already. Right. Craster might've murdered him. Right. I'm comfortable (laughs) spoiling that piece of information. If you've seen an entertainment weekly in the last five, six years, you know, Uh he's going to stick around for a little longer, but to your point, that uh, you uh, any concussive injury to your head could just bad news be the end. Yeah, like John, he survives, but he's just a vegetable for yeah. the rest of the season, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't diminish his his pretty. Well, we didn't hear him fart, entertainment. So we, we that's know right. that he's not dead. That's right. It would have been that's hilar- conclusive. Hilarious if it faded to black. The music <laughs> and you just hear their, <laughs> you know, missed opportunity. Maybe we can yeah. do. Maybe we can do it as a YouTube clip. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. I, sure I thought it was is. a really, really good one. Before we get into feedback, I like to pitch the club because uh, it's how we pay the bills around here. And there's a special features for non-club members. At the end of this podcast, we're going to have a very a small snippet of our uh, segment we call Quit Your Pitching, which is something we do every month. The first Wednesday, we release a podcast where we just pretend to pitch shows. We have this random show title generator, and we come up with something that we think would be based on what that show would be like in reality. We try to cast it, and sometimes they're poignant, sometimes they're funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, This week, Passport the Hulk, where we come up with an idea that the Hulk has been banned from America because he keeps keeps tearing shit up when he gets angry and Mm -hmm. his, his, his travels around the world and what that would look like. Uh, so you can stay to the end of the podcast and enjoy that. Or you can sign up for the club at club.baldmove.com, where for a, a low price, you can get access to all the bonus content, as well as video versions of our podcast, exclusive VIP access to our forums, and a bunch of other stuff. You can get the pitch there. Uh, you can try it out for, for, for 30 days risk-free by signing up at club.baldmove.com. We appreciate your support. Uh, real quick, before we get into the meat of the episode, I want to do some housekeeping. Uh, first, there's only... Uh, just over a week left in the Game of Thrones pod pack uh, charity thing that we did where we got a bunch of leading Game of Thrones podcasters, including ourselves, and we, we did a bunch That's of... That's very uh, haughty of us. But true. True. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's less haughty. So I'm saying we're among. Sure. The, I didn't say we're the leaders, although we are. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying we're amongst that August company. And, we are, you yeah. know, we, we got together. We did a bunch of uh, one off episodes about different aspects of the Game of Thrones uh, experience and, and universe. Like ours was on the religion of West religions in Westeros and the, the doom of Val- Valeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go check it out. Podpack.baldmove.com. It goes to. Uh, charity uh it, the we're donating the proceeds so splitting it between the podcasters and the uh, aclu uh, and also jim and i have uh, getting giving our entire cut to the hurricane harvey relief fund and there's oh boy we might have to split that up too because the so hurricanes, hurricanes to choose from the hurricanes keep on coming i think we had one here this morning <laughs> it's like the war of the five hurricanes coming yeah uh and, and the realm is bleeding and it, it, hurricane it, stannis it, it needs help so uh, you can check that out for another week. Um, also, we did a review for Mother, 
uh, the new Aronofsky film, and uh, we're doing a, a review of Kingsman 2 opening night, uh, actually on Thursday night uh, as well. Both of those, you have the free non-spoiler uh, review of it, and then we also have a spoiler-filled review for, for club members. Continuing coverage of Game of Thrones, uh, Cecily and I are still doing American Horror Story Cult Season. Last week, we released a quip for club members. Uh, you can get a preview of that at the end of this podcast if you want. And this week, we're doing a playthrough of the uh, ch- Chapter 2 of A Wolf Among Us, the Telltale video game, where if you're not familiar with that, we do... We essentially play the worst version of the character we can. Like we mm-hmm. make all the asshole choices, and if you played it as a, if you play any of these games as a good guy, which most people do, uh, we we try to get as little. Like at the end, they tell you like all the decisions you made versus what other players did. We try to go for as as small a percentage of choices as we can. Mm-hmm. All the bad choices. Uh, so that's what's coming up uh, this week on BaldMove.com. Do we have some feedback to do? Oh, oh, we do. Uh, that's that's probably spoilery though, right? You can send. Well, we have we have a few non-spoiler emails to consider, okay. and we have uh, a few spoiler emails to consider. Those will be at the very end of the episode. If you want to avoid all that, uh, Game of Thrones at BaldMove.com is your source to send this stuff into, or you can also go to forums at BaldMove.com to discuss it with your fellow fans. First up, Doug Z, along with many many others, sent in a correction. Just wanted to write in to smugly and arrogantly correct a mistake you made on your episode two, season one cast regarding the Citadel what? Raven. The There's white no mistakes. The White Raven was to mark the change of season from summer to fall rather than fall to winter. What? Dude, I was as shocked as anyone because I thought in my bones that that was to announce winter, but I actually went on to like, not just because like, the Game of Thrones wiki, which is for the show, I consider a lesser source than the A Song of Ice and Fire wiki. Because, mm-hmm. like, they, you know, the Double Ds can do whatever the fuck they want, but the Song mm-hmm. of Ice and Fire's got the capital T truth. And you're, they, yeah, apparently any change of season. Like, really? how, how huh. stupid is it to send a fucking white raven to announce spring? Yeah. And that summer. Make sense. I mean, like, die him. Like, there's one, so someone suggested <laughs> it'd been cool if they send an orange one for fall and a yeah. white one for winter, but, like,. And also, in a world where summers can last for ten fucking years, I just think, I don't know. Like, what? Like, does that literally mean they've been growing crops for ten fucking years, and now's the time to harvest? Or is like I, like I said, I'm bitching and moaning because I'm wrong. But I was wrong, <laughs> and and everybody and 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 Doug C, the, yeah, the smug and arrogant one, is the first one to correct it. Uh, mm. So I gave the credit to him. But uh, okay, yeah, Mia culpa. That that was an honest surprise. Uh, Joff H., regarding your discussion of power is power, Littlefinger proves that power is in fact not power in this interaction with Cersei. She needs him. He knows it. Sure, she could have had him killed, but if you're unwilling to use your power, it really isn't power, is it? Mm, um, but if Littlefinger's unwilling to use his information, it's not well, power either. Well, that's the thing. Like, like, yes, I, mean, that's, I guess it's one of those things where it's like a rock, paper, scissors thing. If Cersei mm-hmm. kills Littlefinger... Yes, she proves her power in the moment, but what does that do to the court? What message does that send to Varys? What's, what message does that send yeah. to the other people who have aspects of the truth if you just go around trying to silence it willy-nilly? Mm-hmm. Like, in the long run, knowledge is probably power. In the short run, power is definitely power. <laughs> but, like, uh-huh. it's one of those things where if you use power unwisely, it doesn't necessarily fresh. You can expend power, and that actually costs you long term. So, I mean, that's the that's the tension in the show. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. In that moment, when you got a knife to your throat, it doesn't matter how much you know. Power that that raw power is power. But if if like you know, killing Ned 
mm-hmm. obviously lost her half the kingdom. I mean, I know this north is 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 not half the kingdom population, but by landmass it is. Like so, like yes, that was an act of power by Joffrey, but at what cost? And yeah, that making more or less powerful in the the long term. Sure, Whereas if yeah. he had the fucking knowledge of politics and history and all that stuff, he might mm-hmm. he might have sent Ned to the black and you know kept kept this kept the I mean yeah there's so many things that went down in season one that if you done if, if you had a competent leadership <laughs> speaking both to both Robert and Joffrey yeah the realm would have been better but that's kind of the point right mm-hmm. like you know the reason so many things were going against Robert is because he's a weak king. And now he's got a he's got a, a weak idiot cruel king. We got a weak idiot cruel king. So yeah, that's why I like looking at that scene through the the lens of the bird, the Varus little bird. Yeah, because he seems to be playing it much smarter. All right, we got a, a couple more. I thought we had more, but I actually had to make uh, as I was reading. I'm like, ah, oh, they're minor spoilers because if I talk oh, okay. like like you know, it's like if uh, if I compare and contrast people. With later performances, even though it's not really a big spoiler, it tells people that like, yeah, I'm fine. It's fine. Kit Harrington, he he's a survivor. <laughs> he he, John John Snow's got 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 an arc, but it, it really starts to the blur the lines. And I think um, yeah. last season we aired on the side of not caring so much about that, and we got negative feedback. So this season I'm airing on the side of maybe perhaps overly caring about it. Okay, because there is after all a spoiler section that you're about to get to, yeah, in a minute or two uh, that that we can consider all that. So. How do they get to that spoiler uh, section? Uh, you just you stay online. You just, you just keep yeah. listening. The music will will come up here. Right. I don't really have an outro for this show. You don't for the theme song. No, you don't. So I don't usually put music. Oh, you don't? I thought you no. Did have we music. do we do an outro and then I do a little silence and then okay, the whatever, spoilers. man. But you're the producer because I just I'm don't just have an talent. outro for this. I'm just a talent. I don't. I do, I do what I do. I, I I'm half the time surprised when I hear the podcast. Like, what the hell? Jim did that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there's not going to be any music, but there will be uh, an outro. We'll we'll sign off and then we'll go into the spoilers. And that's happening so, right now. So yeah. if you want to follow everything we're doing here at Bald Move, you can go to baldmove.com or follow us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at or slash Bald Move as the the social media platform likes it. You know, you know how this all works. Everyone knows how this works. Like, if if you're a 76 year old grandmother and you're listening to a podcast, you know how social media works. Mm-hmm. Just bald move. You're probably uh, Instagramming like doilies. And... Instagramming. Oh, geez. doilies. Uh, with that, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. And all you spoiler people, come on, come on with us over the gap of silence. Yeah. See you then. And we're back with the spoilers. Uh, what do you got? Uh, the first thing that tickled me, uh, this is one of my the, my oldest and favorite of the tinfoil theories, but there's this mm-hmm. theory about Varys being, in fact, a mermaid or okay. a merman. I've, I've heard vague mentions of a, this. A merlin, a merlin, as they call it in the Game of Thrones universe. And if you want to know more, I will put a link to this, the spoiler archive. There's an archive about uh, you know the Varys theories. And this, this scene... Uh, is one of the linchpin parts of the theories that like they they established the, f- the plausibility of being mermaid mermaid and then when he, uh, resp- he replies to Tyrion, paddling. yeah, and he goes, "Hey, I'm gonna throw you into the sea. Well, you might be surprised at the result." Um, oh my god! Hey, I'm not saying Varys is a mermaid. I'm just saying <laughs> it's a fun theory. Scraping the bottle, and of the, surpri- the bottom yeah, of the theory. You haven't even considered the evidence. 
With that piece of evidence, I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, there's there's a lot. There's a whole 15 minute spoiler section oh, that shit. I did several years ago, and uh, if you follow the link to the archive, you can find that. And there's a ton of them. Like, turns out Roose Bolton might be a vampire, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of other fun ones, and some serious ones too. Uh, I also thought it was really fun to watch Braun cl- continue to climb this this ladder of chaos. Like mm-hmm. he's right behind Peter. Uh, he's got his hands right behind the rungs. Like he's yeah. He went from being a mere sellsword to getting paid big fat coin by Tyrion to now he's City Watch. Yeah. Which it's the commander of the Gold Cloaks, is that right? And then you think about like Yeah, he's gotta do what Tyrion does, but also the 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 opportunities for graft and corruption that are now open to Braun as yeah. the commander of the city's police force. Right. You know, yeah, is that the guy you really want to have running it? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to go up tenfold. Yeah. I mean, I've seen The Godfather. I've seen Training Day. I've seen American <laughs> Gangster. I know I know, I know, know how this shit works. He's going to have... There's going to, it's going to be harder to find an honest gold cloak than it is to find the Virgin and Littlefinger's brothels by the <laughs> end of this episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any... Because that's, that's really... There wasn't a whole lot of... I mean, we could... I mean, the other thing is like... Uh, <laughs> What else is there? Because most of the plots that they introduce here are going to come to fruition, like you know the yeah. the thing with Craster and the the, the others. And um, there's not a whole lot of like really really deep, other than I guess. Uh, and there's also some some feedback. So I, I didn't have a lot of other points. Did you? No, I I enjoyed like the sort of contentious relationship that Varys and Tyrion have um, upon I guess really first meeting here. Is it contentious? Know? Or I think that. Uh, a little bit. I think they're feeling each other out to try and see, like, how much do I have to worry about this person with, uh. with based on my goals? Uh, especially, like, I really just enjoyed it in light of the roadshow that they have later on. Yeah. You know, and how that relationship kind of blossoms. Yeah. It's good. I, I mean, I, I, I see your point, like, because I was thinking, like, Tyrion called it a threat, and it it certainly is the threat of a threat, but I felt like the yeah. Finesse, if you're not my friend, I'm threatening you. If you are, then we got nothing to worry about. Yeah. We're cool, and like these are my like I've you've you've seen you've displayed your qualities. Now allow me to display my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it in like so classy too that like I feel the I, I feel like Varys did a great job of putting his best foot forward here yeah. because he he did establish himself as a friend and also with a with a you know. He's, he's got a steel fist with a velvet glove over it as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, if he went to war against Tyrion, that's the thing. Like, Tyrion doesn't have a lot of friends at court. Like, he's got, he's got the power because Tywin's standing behind him. But, you know, if he pisses off too many people and he mm-hmm. becomes as big of a problem as what Tywin's wanting to head off of Cersei. And, so it's, 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 really, and it's really interesting. He's got to think about what happens when Tywin gets back. Right. Because he's only acting hand. He's right. not actually the hand. Right. Uh, and when Tywin comes back, Tywin's going to take that over, yeah. and he can't—he can't just piss everybody off here and say yeah. and hide behind this this pin. Yeah, and that's the other like this is the developing tragedy that like you know Tyrion's going to do a really good job and arguably save the realm. Yeah, and or, or save King's Landing in, <laughs> in time for Tywin to come and I guess say, but then he's going to have all that stuff stripped. That's yeah. Yeah, greatest high, and then Tyrion goes into his lowest lows right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that I said about Tyrion and his weaknesses, you can apply to all the Lannisters because, you know, Tywin could have come and given him an attaboy and then had, you know, uh, a loyal, subservient son for the end of time, but he fucking can't bring himself to do it. 
Yeah. Largely because of the same thing Cersei's got, you know, like right. uh, everything that Cersei said are things that Tywin thinks and 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 Tyrion knows it. Mm-hmm. So it's great for family drama. Uh you want, should, should we get on to the listeners points? Yeah. All right. Christie's up first. Um and this is one I I bumped from non-spoiler to spoiler because what struck me last weekend was when I started rewatching season two is how much more expressive Tyrion's face is without the beard. Don't want to spoil the fact that he has a beard and that he <laughs> survives this season is the yeah. unfortunate thing. He's still enjoyable to watch, though his hijinks and snark have been dialed down. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that character changes drastically. Um, it, it's not just that, you know, he got a beard and you can't see him making the snark as well. He doesn't He doesn't quite have the snark in him. The snark has died, died out in the yeah. world. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not the guy who's whistling through the halls anymore, right? Whistling the reins of Castamere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the guy who's scarred both physically, emotionally. Right. Uh, he's drinking and, too, and he drinks too much, and right. He 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 is a shadow of himself by by season six. Yeah. So it's interesting because you could. I wonder what you'd say, Christy, if he had been clean shaven, mm, yeah. because I think they did that to sell the physical transformation in the books. Tyrion loses his nose and has mm-hmm. a just hideously scarred from his battle at the Blackwater, and becomes even more the monster that people make him out to be physically grotesque. Yeah, and in the show they give him a dark beard uh, <laughs> because they want to sell that physical transformation without mm-hmm. making him ugly because you can't be in a Hollywood production and, and be ugly. But they um, fuck up the hound. I don't know why. Like they'll go to those that's links the, for the hound. That's the but... character. That's the character. Like I don't. Th- hmm. That's a good question because that also is soft evidence that maybe they've the like Tyrion is going to have a romantic interest, whereas the hound is just like he is. That's his story. Like he is Quasimodo. Like he's never going to get the girl. He's virtue. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out he's virtuous and heroic, but he's, uh, you know, he's more of a tragic figure. Whereas preserving. Plus, the other thing is, Peter Dinklage could just be like, I'm not sitting in the fucking makeup chair. I'm not wearing a green I'm not wearing green paint on my nose just because you want me to have a hole in my face. That's the thing. You can stick the hound, you can stick that guy in a chair and make him up like the hound with the prosthetic, right, right. whereas you have to do digital inserts yeah, for yeah, yeah. Tyrion every second he's on the scene, and he's a much more major character. Right. In, well. It's hard to say, though. It, I think yeah. it's more that he's a higher paid, higher profile, and I, sure, I don't yeah. know if it all comes down to that, so... But, you know, that's the thing. My first thing is, like, well, maybe they still want to be handsome because they have to sell some kind of, like, maybe he gets with Sansa at the end or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, she continues, also, Melisandre is more of a fake generic person accent this season. <laughs> I believe the actress is non-native English speak, speak, speaking. You're right. She's Dutch, I believe. I think so, yeah. Uh, Von Houten. Maybe that is a real accent and has evolved away over the years. If not, if I make it on that front, school me. Do you think her speaking is appreciably different? I, I got to say, I didn't notice. Neither did I. I felt like yeah. she's always had this quasi-exotic accent. And mm-hmm. maybe it's not as noticeable as Shay, but um, it is. And then, I mean, it would make... I don't want to say you're wrong, Christy, because it would make sense that she, as she continues to do english-speaking roles that she would maybe try to mute the accent a little bit more mm-hmm. because you know uh there's there's a lot of money to be made in sounding america and american in the world or even just defining the character's accent over the years you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. honing in on what makes the character the character right that might be part of it right because uh i mean that's kind of that her character is also like you know one part, part of the thing we think we know about her is she was sold into slavery and she's very low-born but now she's amongst high society and she's 
perhaps playing with that a little bit more of a cultured accent to to appeal to that. But it's 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 tough. And I, to, to be honest, I I don't know, notice a big difference. Uh, Robert H. How is Cersei going to play the marriage? This is uh, on current business. Uh, how is Cersei going to play in a marriage alliance with Euron Greyjoy when she is openly telling everyone she's pregnant with Jamie's baby? Euron knows his Kraken has not breached her loins and doesn't seem the type to take that sort of slight lightly. With Jamie leaving King's Landing, my theory is that Cersei will uh, try the old switcheroo with Euron and him not buying it. I'm thinking that she will end up in uh, the Thalia Flowers role from Winds of Winter sample chapter, namely being naked, pregnant, with her tongue cut out, tied to the prow of his ship. Yeah, mm. I, I, again, I, I, this is my standard response to any uh, Greyjoy cruelty. It's like, I, I don't know that I need more torture porn in my... No, I know I don't need more torture porn in my Game of Thrones. Whether we get it or not is another matter. Sure. Um, the other thing is, like, you're saying that you know that Euron's not breached her with his kraken which ew but i don't know that that's necessarily true yeah we don't know that how it do you could know that? be that she's taken him to bed and then she also d- took jamie to bed which was kind of an abrupt character shift for her just to coming mean, cersei is a very manipulative character mm-hmm. uh you know she's like the really terrible stereotype of a woman like using her womanly powers and in, in, in these conniving ways um but like I wouldn't, and and because of that, I wouldn't put it past her to be, you know, trying to hedge her bets. Mm-hmm. And like in the books, that's like you know what eventually catches her up with Jamie. The fact that Jamie finds out that she has been using uh, what's between her legs, the curry favor in King's Landing, f- all over the place multiple yeah. times, and it kind of it kind of turns him off of it. So I think there's a potential that he finds that out about Euron, which which is one of the things that cements his you know. Uh, separation from his sister but I, I, yeah i'm pretty I sure we we talked at some length about that in season seven podcast it's honestly hard for me to tell because like people I, it's clear to me that a lot of people sending in feedback do not listen to the feedback section so i try to like oh. okay how many episodes has it been since we discussed this topic Is okay it, and yeah. also the fact that like the audience kept getting larger as the you know so it's like i don't expect people to have yep. to go back and listen to every fucking podcast we do so apologies if this is a well-worn topic but um yeah i don't i it, I think you're right with your analysis. I just don't know if you have all the right information. Uh, Christopher W. So I've been listening to Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire on Audible because I didn't want to take the time to read the thousands of pages. Uh, in doing so, I've come around... Also, thank you for supporting one of our sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> in doing so, I've come around to like what the Double Ds did with the Sansa and Arya re- reunion and even John and Sansa's Season 7 relationship. Sansa's reunions with John and Arya are actually very true to everyone's character when compared to how they were when we last saw each other. In book one, Sansa is con- continuously a spoiled bl- brat that treats both John and Arya like trash. There are times when Arya calls John their brother, and Sansa wastes l- what little time she has pointing out that he's only their half brother. When Arya and Rob, while Arya and Rob treat John warmly, Sansa tends towards Catelyn's treatment of the bastard and looks down upon him and acts and speaks to him as a lower class individual. As far as Arya, Sansa was absolutely horrible to her. Why would Arya just run and jump into her arms upon meeting them again when the last Sansa knew? Uh, she was continuously deriding her. After one of Arya's dancing lessons with Cereal left Arya bruised, Sansa smirked, you must be a horrible dancer. Not to mention telling Arya that she wished she was dead. Furthermore, right after the Lannisters took Ned hostage and killed all the Stark's men, Sansa asked about the well-being of several people, I believe even Jean Poole's dad, but never thought to ask about Arya's whereabouts or well-being. Uh, so, 
continues to make the point that the people expecting the big heartfelt rejoice reunion between the Starks and the half Starks was not as realistic as like what they actually presented, which is John and Arya being wary of Sansa based on their interactions. Do you think Hmm. that's fair? I don't don't think that's shown nearly as much in the show. Yeah. Um, I I do think Sansa is other concerned with other things. Uh Um, but and she's a shit toward Arya, I think. Both of them are shits toward each other. Yeah. But it's not really shown so much with, with John. I'd, I'd say, like, if if anybody in that um, situation hated John, it was Catelyn, yeah. above all. Um, I don't. I didn't feel much animosity from Sansa well, toward John. I, I mean, I definitely think it was there in the show, and certainly between her and Arya. And but I guess, not to that degree. Like The other thing is, I guess, that... I mean, I've seen it in real life where people let shit patterns that developed when they were kids influence how they see each other as adults. Sure. And, like, when, you know, and again, it's a mistake, it's a tragedy, but it's a very believable one that when, you know, you're presented with the ability to see your brother or sister in a favorable or poor light, um, you fall back on the patterns you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everyone sees, like, you can see how much you've changed, but it's harder to see how much other people have changed. Uh, So... And the other thing is, yeah, years have passed, but these people are still, like, what many people would call kids, right? Like, uh, Sansa, Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Sansa, uh, like, in, in real life, is Sophie Turner even 20 yet? Uh, Probably about, yeah, almost. Like, late teens, early 20s are uh-huh. still, like, the you know, they're, they're fully formed as far as their intellectual capacities, their physical capacities, but they just haven't had the experience mm-hmm. that, 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 that comes, that gives you true wisdom. Uh, or at least it's much harder for them to acquire that. Yeah. So I, I never felt like it was unrealistic. Um, I understand why people, because it would have been, I guess it's the more Hollywood thing for them to all be like, all is forgiven and, oh, yeah, we love you so much, and it's a, it's all a trust and love party, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I think the the peace they have come to has been earned. Yeah. Um, I think season seven, if anything, did a pretty good job of bringing them back together in a, a satisfying way. I don't. I mean, say what you want about how realistic you think it is based on a relationship they may or may not have on screen. Um, but I, I didn't ever feel like this is completely out of character for them. Yeah. Like that, that scene in the crypts between Sansa and Arya right. went sort of exactly how you expect it to, right? right. There's, they have a relationship and they're familiar with each other, but they kind of have to see where each other stand yeah. before they're willing to... Sort, I guess, like get into any kind of pattern. It's also interesting that, that they sent this on and uh, attached to this episode because you see essentially the same thing that went on between Balon and Theon, where Arya's like, You've been spending all of your time with our enemies and you've married half of them. Yeah. And I don't trust you. And Sansa's like, You've been God knows where with this weird death cult. I don't mm-hmm. trust you. And John, you know, he's got, he's, there's, I think there's lots, like I said, it seems like there's lots of earned tension. So I, 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 I totally agree. And the fully reunion hasn't even happened yet. Right. You know, Arya and John haven't met. I don't that's, know if they ever will, but. That's the one that I'm, that I'm really hoping that I'm really wanting to see because there should be yeah. no reason at all that they have any kind of enmity and it should be, it should yeah. be the, the heartwarming one you're looking for. Um, all right, let's move on to another recent book reader, Matt from San Francisco. I've decided to take the plunge and read all the books in the long winter until season eight. 
After blazing through a Game of Thrones, I stumbled in this uh, stumbled on this gym in a Clash of Kings. Tyrion says to Varys, I used to dream that one day I'd be rich enough to send a faceless man after my sweet sister. <laughs> which was from the 10th Tyrion chapter. I know Jamie's the favorite in the Valonqar sweepstakes, and he's still my bet too, but if Tyrion hires or convinces Arya to kill Cersei in Season 8, which sounds like a double-D plot to begin with, wouldn't he be fulfilling the prophecy in the most germ way possible? Cersei would actually be kind of right for hating fearing him all her life, and at the very least, it'd give Arya something interesting for her to do at once. Plus, she's only said she's going to kill the queen like a hundred times. Well, if you were really up in your Martin, you'd say half a hundred. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Only if he gives her his face to do it. <laughs> that's Ooh. that's what I want to see. That would be... <laughs> well, I mean, she, Jamie's right there. Maybe Because the guy's like, man, would that be a kick in the ass if like Tyrion commit suicide because there's no way to get close to Cersei because uh you know the mountains there and all that and and you know uh she's she's got a she's got to take Tyrion's face so Tyrion commit suicide to let her have his face so she can go infiltrate the red keep and kill her uh-huh I mean, I'm look at me writing fan fiction <laughs> yeah but I mean it's not inconceivable I'd forgotten the interaction between Tyrion and Varys and that is that is interesting and 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 the fact that yeah. like we know that Martin loves to embed that really deep stuff that second third fourth reads you don't see until later on it develops you're like oh god look at look at the brilliance and the foresight and the foreshadowing and come on Tyrion you're not rich enough to send someone after your sister yeah get out of here I don't know if you can write a check that big because that's the thing about he's the face- a Lannister. Yeah, but that's the thing about the faceless men. They adjust. They they adjust based on give income. them Shay. They, they, they pay give them Shay scale. to do it. <laughs> Here you go. Here's Shay. She's They're like, my- oh, you're worth a billion dollars. Well, the contract is for nine hundred million. But the fucking peasant only had to like give his right. third born child. Well, that's yeah, peasant I'm, I'm saying like, oh, t- take a look at Shay. She's the thorn in my father's side that I value so much. Here you go. They'd be her. like, that's not a payment. That's us taking your. Dirty laundry. Yeah. In my mind, probably not in his. Yeah. That would be an interesting way to fulfill it, though, because it would... It kind of sort of fulfills the prophecy in a half-ass Arya's wearing the face of someone who could be a Valonqar way, and also... Yeah. The... It's it's both of their intentions, right? It's Tyrion wants it, and Arya does it. And Arya obviously wants it because, yeah, she said she wants to kill Cersei a million times. Do, do you think they're sending sort of mixed messages on Tyrion's intentions in these later seasons? Because I, I don't get the feeling that he so hates his sister at this point that he's willing to kill her. I almost get the feeling that, like, he's struggling with this idea of destroying his entire family. Yeah, but how much of that is tied up with his feelings towards Jamie? Most of it, for sure. But I think it's also, like, the dynasty sort of thing is in him huh. as well. Uh, I I don't know. It's hard for me. I mean, uh, my my initial response when you said that is, no, I think he really would hate and kill Cersei at a moment's notice. It's just you know, the extinction of his line has to, you know, weigh heavily on him. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah. um, you know, I have kids, but before I had them, uh, and I thought about like maybe not having kids. Like that was one thing that was like, man, what isn't it weird that like like my my family line could be extinguished. <laughs> Like, this last name, like, I could be the last of this, and it just dies uh-huh. out. That's like, you, you look at your family tree, and it goes all the way back to the, the monkey days. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, and like, I mean, it's it's a stupid thing to think about, because in the grand cosmic scale, nothing yeah. means anything, so who gives a shit? But, yeah, you're not going to care about that when you're dead. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm tearing and I got the, my finger on the button, and I can just make, like, this is the end, this is it, this yeah. is it for the Lannisters, like, I guess 
to the extent that it weighed it probably weigh even heavier on him because mm-hmm. like I don't wake out of the bed giving a shit about the Hubbard line, <laughs> whereas obviously Tyrion Tyrion does. There's a lot of history there. Uh, All right. Uh, Hillary says, looks like the theory that was mentioned in this week's episode two recap spoiler section uh, was confirmed today. Apparently, they will be shooting multiple endings to try and thwart leaks and keep everyone guessing. Maybe not the same as putting out fake leaks, but they are actively trying to dupe people. I oh, I remember boy. when I first read the article, we were sitting there and getting ready for our, our uh, club feature lunch with Jim and Aaron on Friday. And I said, guess what? Just came across my headline. Like we had just got done, like talking about it, like oh, there's no way they're going to go that expense. Yeah, they're going to fucking do it. And this was sent in by multiple people. Hillary's the first. Multiple sources confirming that they are not just going to send out we- leaks, but they're going to be shooting multiple endings. Very reminiscent to, I guess that's what Lucas did with uh, Empire Strikes Back. That the line he's told Luke was Obi Wan is your father on set, and then uh-huh. they dubbed in James Earl Jones with the truth. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I, I guess if, if I was there on the scene, I'd be like, you know, Luke is really overreacting to this revelation. Right. Like, Obi-Wan being his father is like that son. And then in the I mean, I guess the fact that Darth Vader killed his dad, I don't know. But he knew that. That's what mm-hmm. Obi-Wan told him. If you, like, tell Kit Harrington, uh, yeah, so in this scene, Kit, um, you're looking across. I know it's a green screen out there, but you're looking across and you see the white dragon just breathe frost fire all over I don't know, Cersei Lannister. Right. And now we want you to act like this is the most devastating thing you've ever seen, Kit. <laughs> Why? Why my character just... That's not my character. Or, I wouldn't care about that. Or what? Well, okay, we're really doing Sansa, but we want you to think it's Cersei. All right. I'm going to write podcast fan fiction. Uh-huh. What if the Double D's heard our podcast where one of the listeners suggested like this airplane style, like Valonqar prophecy where there's like just people lined up to throttle Cersei? Yep. Uh-huh. And, like all, it's not just one person's every popular suspect, like the J- Jamie and Tyrion, and, that, and they all take turns. Like, what if. What if they film yeah. all that? Like, there's like 30 different characters just choking the shit yeah. out of Lena Headey and, and, and just release it as a bonus on, feature. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, the, I haven't bought a Blu ray. I think the last of the. Because the, the Blu rays for Game of Thrones are spectacular. They are, yeah. But I couldn't justify getting them and watching the special features once and having them sit on my fucking shelf. Because uh, I, I, I've got, I hate physical media. But I would buy the season eight DVD if there was a supercut of thirty people strangling Cersei Lannister. It'd <laughs> be great. That would be pretty sweet. But that yeah. I mean, that would be like, you know, they could film like John betraying uh Danny, Danny betraying John. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's I never think they would do it, but like if you were going to spend the money to do it, this is the one because it's the biggest show on television. This is what everyone's dying to know. And it's the last season. I mean, that, right. the, the finale you have, of that's the series. The and that's why I said you'd, you couldn't just disseminate fake leaks because mm-hmm. people would then see the actual filming locations like they do with their right. telephoto. If they actually film it, boy. You don't know which one's going to make the it, cut. It's, yeah. it's Schrodinger's ending. You're never going to know until you – so I, I think it's brilliant, and I, I'm glad – now, I'm glad that they're doing it. Now, I guess the, the meta conversation is mm-hmm. how do we handle it? Like if there's – 30 leaks yeah do we just throw those in with the fan speculation or do we do another season where no we don't talk about any kind of leaks regardless of knowing the fact that because yeah that's a good question you Um, know i I don't think i'll have an answer for that for a while (laughs) that's what i gotta think about it's a good thing we got some time yeah, I, I'm shocked that they're doing that though. I am like, too. I really didn't think they were. No, I mean, obviously, we. <laughs> yeah, you heard our honest reaction to the before <laughs> the news hit, and we were both like, "Yeah, it'd be nice," but there's no mm-hmm. way for all the reasons. Yeah, and they're doing it. Uh, Jacinta, 
do you think Gendry and Arya end up together? Gendry being able to back her or bring her back down to Earth if she goes too far down the faceless man rabbit hole. In the first book, Ned tells Robert that his son and her daughter will be married. Uh, they are also shown to have a relationship on their way to the wall in season two, episode two as well. So hmm. I do like the fact that Ned telling Robert that their 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 children will be married eventually comes true happily with Arya and, and Gendry. And I think Gendry's awesome. I think Arya's awesome. I think they're actually be a good match. Mm-hmm. But I just don't I just don't think they see each other that way. Yeah. Um maybe there's a little bit more evidence in the books that he, you know, like the whole this whole my lady stuff uh gets a little bit but it's but that's the thing, like in the books it's a lot easier to read in the dialogue. Um, things that are not there, whereas in the yeah. series, I'm just seeing an older brother and a little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think so. But I also wouldn't be completely fucking up in arms if, you know, as a classic, like, that's, that's like, fucking happens all the time. Like, uh, you know, uh, you have this, like, brother-sister relationship with the boy next door. Oh, never think of him that way. And then you go away for a summer and you come back and puberty's <laughs> right. hit. And it's like... Oh uh-huh. my god, he's got abs now and she's got this uh, <laughs> she's 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 got breasts and uh so sure it can happen mm-hmm. but I don't know if it will. Next Peter, during a seri- series spoiler uh, part you read an email from a listener about how Jamie and Bronn will free Alaria Sand in Game of Thrones season 8, mm-hmm. then lead the Dornish army to fight the army of dead and maybe Cersei. Sorry to burst your bubble but in July 2017 issue of Entertainment Weekly, actress Indira Varma who plays Arya, told them that she won't reappear on Game of Thrones after the Queen's Justice. No, 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 not Arya. What? Alaria. Alaria. I'm sorry, did I say? I'm like, <laughs> I thought you said Arya. Maybe I misheard. But... Okay, Alaria. You're okay. right, Alaria. Indria Hermit, or Varma does not play Arya. And, and we know that actors are not allowed to mislead or lie during interviews. Oh, ho, ho. Peter says next. I know what you're going to say. Kit Harrington <laughs> basically said the same thing at the end of Game of Thrones Season 5. Then poof. He's resurrected in season six. Uh-huh. We can't trust what actors... Let me guess. Let me guess. Took another acting job. <laughs> um, but he says, I think that they are getting rid of secondary characters, and we only have six more episodes left. So the only major characters from now on. I mean... Yeah, if she needs he, to be important for the plot, she'll be there. If that's not, the thing, she won't. Like, like, I'm not... I think it's a cool theory that would also... Because there's, there's a sense of fatalism al- amongst m- mainly the book readers that they're just fucking this shit up. They're just hmm. fucking this shit up. Like, fucking Dragonstone is abandoned. They've never heard of a Castilian. And, like, Dorne's just going to be forgotten about. And, like, part of me wants to double these to prove these guys wrong and recover from a few missed steps of this season and... Uh-huh. and, and, and bring all this shit together with this big feature length episode Laddin's season eight. Mm-hmm. So I, it would make me happy to see, and I think it would make the book purist happy to be proven wrong. Right. So like anything I can, any theory that would might, cause that someone really tore this theory apart in the forums. I forget their main, their main thrust. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to concede like, yeah, it doesn't, but, but on the other hand, this the other thing I like about it is it also retroactively fixes some of the sins of season five. The fact that the Jamie and the Dorn and the Braun plot like didn't really go anywhere and is really kind of stupid. And right. the fact that they established that relationship would kind of retroactively make it cooler. Mm-hmm. So like when you're rewatching the whole series and you get to like, man, I really thought this was shit, but boy, when Braun Braun invaded the Red Keep and stole Alari, and they combined led the armies of Dorne against this king. Like that would be really cool. Yeah, 
So I just, you know, I kind of want it to be true. I don't necessarily buy it. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my straddling the fence answer. Travis M, do you guys think the Wolf Pack will return in Season 8? I could see a scenario where the Stark-Targaryen alliance has to flee the North and fall back to the Trident for the final battle with the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead. In that event, it could be likely that Nymeria and her wolves join the fight to defend Arya and others. Um, let's hope they do so to make up for leaving Ghost out of Season 7 and to give us one more emotional reunion of the two remaining dire wolves. Hmm. No, I, I really don't see a huge role for the wolves to play. Yeah, uh, Ghost maybe yeah. because John is so important to the plot. But oh my god, the book re- if, if they don't bring Ghost back in season, yeah, eight, yeah, like I don't even think it's even the book readers <laughs> at this point. Like uh-huh. Ghost is a fan fucking favorite, and they have to know that. And yeah, you can't park him in Winterfell for the entire winter. <laughs> no, and, and Nymeria I think has had her send off. Um, the, the Arya Nymeria reunion was nice. Um, I don't know that they need to do any more with that to satisfy me. Not saying, again, that it won't happen. Just saying, I don't think there's a real need for it. I do think it would be super cool. Like, And I've always thought it would be very cool if the the the, the Nymeria-led wolf pack does something to turn the tide of the war. Because the other thing they're really selling is that this is a near-run thing. Like, every, you know, every... Every soldier you lose is is changing the balance of the the power. So mm-hmm. like you know we've we've gone from a hundred thousand army um, in Westeros uh, t- to having like a like a ten thousand army being a big thing. Uh, so like yeah. I I would like for that to be true, but I can't think of a plausible scenario that doesn't involve just just writing fan fiction uh-huh. that would bring them back into play. Uh, Kevin C. I recall you joking about the White Walkers' wordless, gloating language in the show and how you like that the Night King doesn't speak. You reminded me that it seems in the books the others actually do have a spoken language. There are two quotes from the prologue in Game of Thrones. The other said something in a language that Will did not know. His voice was like the cracking of ice on a winter lake, and his words were mocking. Ah, see? Mocking, close kin to gloating. Also, Will closed his eyes. Far beneath him, he heard their voices and laughter, sharp as icicles. Either way, almost all evidence of their communication really does seem to be some form of mocking. Do you think the show might still give the Night King a, Night's King a voice? I agree with you about his hmm. silence adding to his menace, but a part of me is kind of curious what they'd come up with. I don't know. Uh, I was unaware that he spoke in the books in any kind of form. Well, the Night King hasn't made himself visible in the books yet, but they do. They have this hint that they do have this this these these voices, and I, I actually yeah, I thought they I did. He, I meant they. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I also thought at the end of this episode, they did a really good job of hinting at, like, this other maybe saying something. Because it was more than just guttural animal noises, and it had, like, a lot of this sound design that, that reminds me of these passages in the book. But Yeah, and if they speak in, like, sounds of nature, yeah, how how would you even know that they were talking, maybe? R- subtitles. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think they're going <laughs> to subtitle... Uh, like like Night I, King, I feel, cracking snow and well, but wilting ice. Like, I know I said that as what? A, I said it as a joke, but I do think that like um, on the astral plane uh-huh. where you know Bran sometimes confronts the Night King, they yeah. could plausibly have a conversation where Bran is speaking English and the Night King responds in his language, and you and they would have subtitles, and you would un- intuit that Bran can understand them because they're kind of speaking mentally anyway. 
But I, I really I feel like, like that very quickly turns into a Family Guy skit. Yeah, I really like the Poor Quentin's blog theory about Euron being like some kind of um, ends up being some attached to the others in some way. Like that's a mm-hmm. theory I still think is has got a lot of promise. The fact that he's going to defect and switch sides and offer to set somehow um, you know make himself in a, in a play to make himself a demigod ends up being like a Lucutus of Borg figure to the others, and then there you've got. Uh, you know, like if like we we've seen, it also is a nice symmetry with um with Benjen Stark. How that was like the vassal of the uh the the, the three eyed Raven. He's got a, a human that can speak and do things and have agency. Uh, uh, a Euron turned into an other would kind of be the other side of that coin. Yeah. So I I like I mean I so so it's a direct answer, Kevin, or your question, Kevin. I could see it both ways, either just subtitled where Bran and him are communicating. Um, or through some kind of corrupted form of Euron. It's a lot easier to to convince Euron. There's there's no like skin grafting involved. Uh-huh. Da- Data's a real tough one, tough nut to crack. If you're the <laughs> you're, queen. You're, you're continuing the Star Trek reference. Sure, yeah, first sure. Contact. She's just going. The the, the night skin is going to blow on his forearm. Uh huh. And that's all <laughs> it takes. No obsidian required. Uh, Jackie Z. After listening to your last podcast, you guys jokingly brought up the idea that no one who claimed to stop watching after the show eclipsed books really did. Yet my boyfriend has been a diehard book reader since about two years after the show, or pre-show. After it came, became clear at the end of season five that the show would pass the books and perhaps even finish them, he stopped watching. While he loves the show, he mm. loves the books so much more and he didn't want to be given half an ending. So my discussion topic is this. Though he avoids the Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire forums, subreddits, etc., he still managed to be spoiled for two major things, John's rebirth and John as a Targ, both things he assumed from the books. He's been pretty frustrated by this because he considers the book readers pretty good and not posting Ned's death or Red Wedding, etc. while they were out there. <laughs> uh, while they're out there, they weren't plastered everywhere and this hard to avoid. My question is, how do you guys feel about this? I understand the show is a spectacle, but John's rebirth is on magazine covers. For a show fan base that seems very sensitive to spoilers, it somehow seems hypocritical. As you mentioned, even R slash A Song of Ice and Fire is very loose with show spoilers. I mean, I can't... I don't think you can hold promotional materials and the media who is trying to cover a contemporary show to the same standards that you can hold your friends in a bar to like don't fucking yeah. spoil this for me bro and also you can't tell ew that that's the, and here's the like, thing if i think it's very rose-colored glasses to remember the book people being very yeah, considered the show true. watchers because that sure as shit was not my experience uh-huh. and that's and, and also I think one of the reasons I decided to take the plunge and read the books after season one is because I was sick and tired of fucking book readers putting things as speculation as spoilers and me naively believing them. Mm-hmm. So, like, somebody has to play the goddamn referee. Uh, and I saw that again. Like, like there's this troll uh, energy that lives in certain people where they just they just like doing that. And look at all the bullshit... Like, guys filming their friends' reaction to the Red Wedding. Like, how many thousands of things that went on YouTube where it's like, you, you, what, you, you didn't think it was weird that someone pulled out your fucking phone and started filming your reaction 30, 30 seconds into this scene? Right. Like, there is a lot of horseshit from the book readers. Uh, and, like, the con, and it, even when it's benign, the, like, um, like, I saw a common, very common, where a show reader was trying to speculate on something and a book reader come in, oh, you sweet summer child. Mm-hmm. Like, go fuck. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying anything about your boyfriend. I'm sure he's a saint. 
and I understand his frustration. But this is yeah. this is it's interesting, almost like this this is illuminative of like more serious issues in the world. Like you pay attention to the virtues of your side, mm-hmm. and you're completely ignorant of the vices, and both sides do that. So you got this endless cycle of like, well, those fuckers did it to us, so we're gonna do it to them. Well, sure, those fuckers yeah. did it to us, we're gonna do it to them, ah, and it just never ends. So, no, it, I mean, it, I and our our points are very inflammatory. Obviously, we're right. we're half joking here, but t- I'm, t- I'm t- cheap. But like, yeah, the more measured response is you're taking your life into your hands man like well if you really don't want spoilers and you refuse to engage on the same timeline right. as everyone else you're taking a risk you know if if that's your thing don't spoil me you either have to watch contemporary with everyone else mm-hmm. so you can't be spoiled mm-hmm. or you have to accept that there's the possibility you might get spoiled on this but more to her boyfriend's point um, the thing I do feel sorry for him, and I, like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that he's obviously one of the assholes who's trying to spoil stuff. But uh-huh. what I do feel sorry for is like those book readers and the the other people that were intentionally, gleefully, and and trollingly spoiling people. They didn't have major publishing. They didn't. They weren't the CEO of a major publishing house, right? They didn't own a media company. They weren't pumping the shit over like because you could you could realistically avoid spoilers, book spoilers, but it's very hard to avoid like the Night King is going to be riding a fucking ice dragon on yeah. next year's Entertainment Weekly, right? And you're shopping and you're at the checkout aisle and your iPad's like fuck, like I my my heart my, I feel for, as much as this is a fairly non serious thing to complain about, I feel for you because it is a bummer. And you can't av- you can't it's, avoid it. It's the biggest fucking show in the world. Right. There's no way you're going to change the the climate of media. The only way you could coverage. avoid it is to go into a cabin in the mountains uh-huh. and never go to the store, order everything off Amazon, and stay off the radio and the internet and TV for the next three years. And even then, I wouldn't put it past Bezos to put the Ice King riding an ice dragon on yeah. a box for a promotional feature. Right. So when you order your toothpaste, God damn it, <laughs> God damn it, I did it, I did it all, I did it all. It's just like Aaron said. So yep, what are you gonna do? But I don't like the hypocrisy. That's way overblown because there was there was there's bloodshed totally. on both sides. Um, all right, anything else you want to say? No. Nope. Moving on to Cody S. Would Game of Thrones be better without the White Walkers? <laughs> Uh, explosive I, explosive hot take man i don't know i mean i love 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 season two and mm-hmm. season two is all about the politics yep. um and the the human uh confrontations here it's not about the white walkers so much yeah it, that's that's true of all early game of thrones but i don't think it is a worse show because they're introducing these fantastic elements like i if if it had started from day one with ice dragons and Magic walls and yeah. White Walkers. I, I probably wouldn't have ever gotten into it, but now that I am into it and the show is changing a little bit, I don't find myself going, "Man, I wish this was really still the old show." Yeah. Except when I feel like they're shortchanging the show to do those things. And you that's know, like, unfortunately, I think they had to do that last season. A, a little bit last season, but, right? The conversations were maybe cut a little bit short. Uh-huh. Um, they didn't quite have everything structured out the way I would want in favor of, like, these big fantastical scenes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in as much as that... If they can keep that from getting in the way of telling a good story... Right. Then I don't care. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little bit of a hindsight bias because the to the extent that the others seem to be the problem that makes the other stuff not working, like, oh, the, the dumbest plot revolved around how to convince Cersei to believe in a threat of the others. Like, I don't think it's a de facto, like, you can say, like, well, there you go, White Walkers are a problem. I think it's yeah. the way they were handled is if there is a problem is the problem. And also, I mean, George is trying to say something um, about humanity's ability to ignore larger problems in favor for smaller, more petty ones that are mm-hmm. directly in front of their faces and their their refusal to deal. And this is stuff like, I mean, that's a commentary on, like we talked about, like, you know, global warming. It's a commentary about the things that caused World War One to happen. It's a commentary about a lot of different things. Um, yeah. And if the White Walkers are not there, all that all that commentary goes away. And that's yeah. one of the, you know, like, that's like saying, you know, uh, the Lord of the Rings was dumb because it was an over a J.R. Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien wanted to say too much about the industrial world taking over agriculture and industrialized <laughs> warfare. And like, I, I mean, I, that's that's what he wanted to say, man. Yeah. So like. If if George is like ah this is a stupid idea I don't want it like, it, like he wouldn't have he wouldn't have wrote the story that you think was better and also yeah, that's fair. and also the evidence we just don't know like the evidence isn't all in about whether this is a fatal problem and even if it was sure. you could always argue that it was execution not the idea mm-hmm. so I, and I'm I'm one of the ones that I I know I don't think I always thought it was super cool that you had this grounded realistic world that was having the rug pulled out from underneath it and like no yeah. like. Cersei mocking the threat of the others is an entirely rational act. Mm-hmm. And I think I love that. We sure. we can see it's a disaster, but that's the one thing like you can say a lot of shit about Cersei Lannister, but that's a rational call. That's a that's a something a smart person would do. It's something Tyrion would do if yeah. not for and and he doesn't fully I I love his performance there in that the 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 that small council scene cuz his wheels are rotating furiously because he's like, fucking dick. But why would Mormont lie? Yeah. Like, he's not a guy that just wants men for the sake of having men. The Night's Watch has been shorthanded for generations. Why? So mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that adds a little spice. If, if the execution is a problem, then and maybe it is. But the idea is sound, I think. I think seven years ago when the show first started, uh-huh. I would have given you a much different answer. What would you say? It would have been, fuck fantasy. I don't want anything to do with that. Right. And... I think that's because I've seen my history with fantasy has been like just fantasy for fantasy's sake and uh-huh. and a lot of just convoluted fantasy bullshit mm-hmm. um for the sake of it. Uh-huh. Whereas Game of Thrones has done it in such an elegant way uh-huh. um mixing, you know, the things that I cared about in a story with the things that fantasy cares about in a story. Yeah. Um I think it's changed my mind on a lot of fantasy and I still don't want to read bad fantasy. I don't right. want to watch bad fantasy, but if you can do fantasy well, I think it's got its place. It's so weird because, like, I want to fight you because I know the most of the fantasy experience you're talking about is, like, Lord of the Rings, which is, like, one of the gold standards. Right, but come on. Come fucking <laughs> no, on, man. I ain't gonna come on. With, with all the fucking songs that just, like, start up well, in that okay. book. And the, all like, right. fucking, yeah, okay, here, no, here's elves and goblins and okay. dragons. But and you big... never got that far, right? You never tried to read Lord of the Rings. I tried to read The Hobbit. And oh. I, I stopped that fucking book like a chapter or two in. When did you read it? I was probably twelve. Huh. Okay. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like the Hobbit's intended audience is like six to ten. 
And like Lord of the Rings okay. is very much like it's the coolest fucking thing if you're reading as a 13 year old. But it wasn't just like a dumb dumb kid story. But even it, then, it was more like all the names and places. No, I get and like it. All that I, shit. I get it. Like didn't stick. I, I thought we were talking about the movies, and I'm like, how the fuck can you say something bad about the movies? No, no, no I because love the it, movies. It, it yeah. takes it takes all the core awesome stuff and dispenses with the more literary things. Because even I, right. as a 13 year old nerd primed for love and that shit, got to like the Council of Elrond and like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me with this shit? Yeah. So it's a little indulgent. We'll say. All right, all right. But Game of Thrones what, has been great because that's the thing. I like, I'd have a hard time recommending any fantasy to you. Yeah. Uh, so I've got this Patrick Rothfuss uh, Name of the Wind. Is that yeah is that the one Kavoth the Kavoth. Uh, so I haven't read that. I think but so. the problem, the reason I haven't read that is because I've heard from even fans that like the wheels kind of fall off in later books. Oh shit. Okay, so, well, I'm going to give the first book a and try. I, I haven't got into it yet. And I, I do tend to hate, like, a lot of the other, like, people love Wheel of Time. I've tried to read Wheel of Time three times, and I can't even get past the first book. Yeah, I hear that's a tough one. And, like, another, like, the um, the Mistborn, the yeah. Brian Sanderson, like, that's his gold standard. And, like, I enjoyed it, but I thought that the books progressively got worse as they, they went on. Like, hmm. the thing that really recommends it is its magical system. It's like the anti-Game of Thrones. What recommends it is magical system and how tight it is right his characters are very thin young adult bullshit for the most part Ah. so this has been your fantasy talk yeah fantasy corner with jim and aaron if you'd like to subscribe to well no because you wouldn't it's terrible yeah just Uh, give me the good fantasy and i'm okay with it i just don't know i can say it's like it's like um it's like someone i it's like someone say i hate anime and i'm like okay we'll watch Grave of the Fireflies and yeah. Akira and Cowboy uh, Bebop, Cowboy Bebop yeah. and and uh, fucking Full Metal Alchemist, and you're like, nah, it's still shit. Like, show me the good stuff. I'm like, <laughs> that ah, you might just hate fan. You might just hate anime. Right. I hate country music. Well, here's some Johnny Cash and here's some, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, some George Jones. It's shit. Uh, you, you might honestly just hate country. Yep. So, all right. Uh, if you got feedback, you can send it into Game of Thrones at baldmove.com and. Uh, also, the forums and social media, just like I said on the, the not, it's, it applies. I don't even know why I'm doing it. It's not a separate podcast. No, it's all the same thing. We'll be back for episode three next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jam. See ya. Passport to Hulk. Passport to Hulk. Are you familiar with the old Incredible Hulk show from like the late 70s, early 80s? Sure. The, the whole pants ripping journey. Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Uh, and, and Actually, no, the pants never ripped. The pants tattered. Pants, pants tattered. They don't yeah. rip because having a giant green schlong. We had to. <laughs> right. We had to get to the aughts before we could deal with the giant blue schlong in yeah. the form of Doctor Manhattan. Uh, so, so the the concept of that show, as I remember it, is you had this guy. Uh, Bruce, no, it was David Banner. I think I they think changed so? it for some yeah. reason to David instead of Bruce. But anyway, David Banner. He's he's an Incredible Hulk, and he has to wander from town to town because he. Eventually gets angry and is revealed to be a, a, a rage monster, mm-hmm. and then he has to, they, they play the sad music and he kicks his can down the road. It's been a lot of it's it's been a long time since that show came out. It has. Uh, uh, poor David has been to every major mo- metropolitan and rural community in the United States, mm-hmm. and there's just big, you know, where you get welcome to Logansport, Logansport, Louisiana, and population. 3,429, and there's a giant green Hulk face with an international no sign. <laughs> okay. Hulk gotta, Hulk's got to take his road his show on the road. He's got he's to go to foreign countries. This is a... It, it, the this United is some, States is some one... sort of isolationist 
future that you're cooking up here that they don't know about the Hulk <laughs> in other countries. Uh, when he's right. literally done the American tour right. across he's, the nation. He's, he's, he's set the entire continental plus Alaska oh, and Hawaii. Shit. Plus a, What about Canada and Mexico? Has he gone to all those? He needs a passport. Because this is post nine okay. eleven, you can't. Just, How did he you get just to can't Alaska? Just bop over to Canadian border can, anymore. Can you fly to Alaska without an air, without a passport? Well, of course, of course. Really? It's still, it's still the United States. You could fly. Puerto Rico. He's he's gone through Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay. He's gone through Guam. Uh huh. He's gone through the American Samoans. He's mm-hmm. every 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 place. It's it's all doors have been shut to him. He's now got to take his road. Like what and and now but but now there's language barriers mm-hmm. there's the like I, I, there's the what, frustration what, what, this what, i can't fucking plug my hair dryer in <laughs> and like just everything like he doesn't even get to the part where he writes wrong it's just <laughs> right it's just every day halt drive on wrong side of road <laughs> you know uh i mean even getting there has got to be a challenge right with the the annoyances oh of my the tsa God. you want airport security you you, you you want to pat me down for are you putting your hands in my pants what <laughs> What the fuck? Right. And yeah, like he he doesn't even I'm make it out of the airport. I'm picturing a scene where they're patting him down and they get to the crotch and he's so fed up with it at that point that right. he's hulking out and they don't notice. Like right. the guy patting him down doesn't notice until right. he gets to the schlong, which just starts growing. <laughs> he's like, sir, uh, <laughs> sir, you can't. And he looks up and suddenly the Hulk's there. Right. Smashing him. Right. It's like <laughs> he, it, it, they, 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 <laughs> the international airports are on lookout for men in purple pants. <laughs> like they de- what, they're, they're, they're detained for special. Going? No, I just like. I mean, that's a truism. Every fucking time Lou Ferrigno got it there in his green body paint, he had those tattered purple pants on. So I assume... Yeah, it's like a Joker David motif. Banner just wore purple pants. Yeah. I mean, it was it was disco era, it's right? It's a nice high-contrast color, green and purple. Yeah. When that show came out, it was it was Bell Bottom City, right? Right. And I mean, there were a lot revoke, of purple bell Wouldn't they just revoke there? his passport? Or maybe the U.S. is so happy to get him out that they're like aiding and like they're just yeah, giving, yeah yeah they're pushing uh, him off on other your countries. Your real name is Bruce. You're not David. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Don't that was come the back. That's you took so that we wouldn't find you. <laughs> we found you. Now get out. But other countries won't take him. Right? He gets there. He gets extradited back. Yeah, every single time. He, every single time. Uh, you know. Uh, so he asks where to, where to go to bathroom and no one understands. Mm-hmm. And he shits his he, he he shits his pants and hulks out. They're like, "All right, get you know you you've done you've done five billion damage dollars of damage to Dubai. Get out." Our our sewer systems are very very old here. They're not equipped for your they're whole shit. They're not equipped for an incredible shit. Yeah. No, they're not equipped. <laughs> the the water pressure can't deal with an incredible shit. Uh, right, passport the passport the Hulk. I'd watch it. I would too. Uh, and the fact that it's it's the longest running TV show in America at this point is it would like have to be. respect respect.